Lance, did you ever play in the woods as a kid? I grew up in the suburbs, Chris. No, I did not grow up playing in the woods. Well, I, I lived in a small town with mountains and tons of trees when I was like eight or nine. That's cool. Yeah, I I'd go back there with my friends, sometimes just by myself, and I'd meet up with Mr. Bearman. Uh, had a good time. Uh, who who now? Mr. Bearman. You know, he's really hairy, kind of ape-like, about 7'3". Huge feet. Really nice guy, though. Um, Chris, I yeah. think you met Sasquatch. No, no, no. It's just Mr. Bearman. I think you need to recall on that memory a little bit better. He had a condition, okay? Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about something is killing the children. Because it's October. Chris, we're in spooky season month. Spooky season. Spooky comics. And we've talked about spooky comics before. It's always kind of a little bit uh, chilling when we get into the spooky season. So, But I, I there's a lot of comics that really nicely lend themselves to being spooky. So this is always a fun time of year uh, for us. Yeah, and we are going to be covering spooky books or spooky topics for each issue that drops in the month of October. So we are very excited to be on theme for the month. And I don't think we could have started it any better way than with Something is Killing the Children because this series is incredible. Yeah, this is one that if you haven't heard of this you should definitely check it out if you read comics. Um, it, it is an incredible read, but it is very mature audience content. So uh, this is a content warning for our discussion and obviously spoilers, but we're going to be talking about adult themes. Um, there is body horror. There's violence. There's obviously children die. It's in the title. If any of that is triggering for you, just maybe hold off on this one. And obviously it's probably not for kids. But otherwise, um, listen in because we're going to be getting into it. So, Something is Killing the Children is an ongoing series from Boom Studios, created by writer James Tynan IV and artist Werther Deladera, with colors by Miguel Muerto. Chris, 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 does that make this a Werther's original? Yeah, yes, I, I believe so. Got him. Uh, <laughs> very good. Two points. This horror series explores what happens when the children of Archer's Peak go missing and never return. The few that do have terrible stories of monsters that live in the shadows. No one believes them except one stranger who arrives in town to eliminate the threat. If it wasn't obvious from the title, this is an extremely violent, disturbing, but masterfully paced and written suspenseful tale. It has supernatural forces, ancient organizations, and a haunting familiarity that is brought to life by Deladera's art. But it's not just monsters and blood hunters. It's also about dealing with death and trauma, found family, coming of age, uh, finding your own path when it's the hardest. I, I really was surprised how touching some of the moments were, that it wasn't Absolutely. just nonstop action. It's actually mostly these kind of quiet moments interspersed with 
very violent and disturbing imagery, but but it was that kind of the the characters dealing with loss and grief and trauma and and how far they're willing to go in some cases and how far our protagonist has already gone kind of to the point of no return. And she's like, you don't want this, you know, like, like wishing it on other people like you just she's been there. She's been to hell and back like kind of thing. So it it was surprising how emotional it got. Yeah, there there's a lot of depth to the story where it, even though it is this fantastical version of of trauma, it it lends itself to to kind of show things that we go through in life in this grandiose way, but at the heart of it, it really is nailing down like those fear you have those fears you have as a child or the the interactions you might have that uh really leave you damaged in life and it it does it so masterfully while also giving you a story full of monsters so for fans of buffy the vampire slayer stranger things it or even supernatural will feel right at home. But this is a very, very mature take on a monster slayer story. And like we said before, it could be a bit triggering for some readers. While it's familiar, it's also unpredictable. And so it, it's not like your typical monster slayer stories where there's a you know cool, badass female protagonist and, and they go kill the monster and then that's the end. The monster, spoilers, you know, kind of gets taken care of in the first arc, but but then there's other things that happen. It's, it's not just the main, that's not the main thing. It's, it's, it's actually kind of expands in the world. And so it's, uh, it's very engaging to read for sure. Yeah. The, the story starts off being very, uh, it has this lens that you see just what is going on. And as the issues go on, that lens just widens and widens and you start to see what really is developing in this world and the organization that Erica Slaughter works for and how their view of what it is to quote unquote protect people from knowing about these monsters versus what they're actually doing. There's this really interesting balance of what you view as being the right thing to do. And Erica has a very particular view of what that is. And it goes strongly against what the rest of the organization is. And that comes into play uh, front and center very early on in the story. Yeah. But let's jump over to the publication history for Something is Killing the Children. It was initially announced as a five-issue limited series by Boom Studios in June 2019, but prior to its release, the series was promoted to ongoing, and that was due to, quote, overwhelming early support from retailers and fans. As of this recording, the main series is up to issue 32 and has been collected into various trades and one singular deluxe edition, which is absolutely beautiful and I very much cherish it in my collection. (laughs) It has a spinoff series, The House of Slaughter and Book of Slaughter. Recently at San Diego Comic-Con, it was announced that the Book of Butcher will be coming out centering on a rival order based out of New Orleans. Tynan coined all the series as part of the Slaughterverse. Yeah, and and that was that was interesting. I went into this panel. We talked about this in our Comic Con issue, not really knowing and not never read the comic. And I was like, yeah. "Well, I'm going to read this, so I'll just go in." And it's like expanding the Slaughterverse, and I was like, "What is this?" You know, but <laughs> but it's yeah. You know, now I know it's not just like 
80s slasher horror or whatever. You see the word and you're like, ooh, that's a bit much. It sounds pretty, sounds a lot rougher than it is, but it's it's slashery. Yeah, it's a slashery for sure. mm -hmm. Let's talk about the origin of our main character and kind of our main protagonist, who is Erica Slaughter a stranger that comes to the town of Archer's Peak, Wisconsin, after getting an assignment to look into the disappearance of several children. Erica is a member of the Order of St. George, a league of monster hunters that are not only pledged to kill the monsters, but also make sure that the world never finds out about them by any means necessary. Several children are brutally murdered, and one survivor, James, is going through a PTSD and lots of guilt, feeling responsible for his friend's deaths. When Erica talks with James, he asks to help and becomes an unlikely sidekick. Erica has to deal with the suspicions of local law enforcement, family of the missing kids, and other members of the House of Slaughter that are sent to, quote, clean up her mess. And this is where I'd, I, I'd also like to just point out the, the, the art choices and the art style from uh, Werther uh, Deladera. And he and we're, I know you're going to talk about him later, but coming from a different, uh, he's not American. He comes from Italy. Italy, that's right. So I think at first I wasn't crazy about the panel layout because I read it in the book, and I don't know how you. I had trouble sometimes following like left to right because a lot of the the double page spreads go all the way across like the double page spread. And I was like, Oh, if you're reading this digitally, it's going to be weird or like, Mm -hmm. or it's going to be panel by panel or something. And it was a little hard to follow. But once I figured it out, I was like, but then I kind of was like getting meta about it. And I was like, Oh, this is making me uncomfortable uh, to read it. (laughs) Like it's, it maybe it's like purposefully done where it's like, it's a little bit unsettling because then some pages were like, normal one page very linear and then the the ones where it got very tense is uh when it was all kind of like slightly jumbled around and a little like you had to kind of find your way like you were lost in the story and i was like oh dang um so that was that was an interesting choice the art style is really cool because it's 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 not clean it's very like brushstroke and and a little rough and and spookily colored and uh, you know so i i think it lends itself really well there's some there's a almost a slight realism to it. It's not over exaggerated, except for the large eye of Erica Slaughter. Like he, she has got this kind of hair covering her. I think it's like her right eye or left eye. And, and then just her eyes like big and piercing. Um, and uh, it's a little exaggerated, but I think it's almost done. It, it's, it, doesn't, it didn't bother me because it was like such a cool design choice with the mask and, and her eye and everything. So yeah, the design is great. The, I have the same issue with some of the layouts and I like, we read a lot of comics. Yeah. Like we know how to follow the flow of panels yeah. and it, it did take me a little bit to kind of figure out exactly how to follow. Like I found myself sometimes being like that line doesn't make sense. Yeah. Oh, back up here. Uh, and then I started noticing that sometimes with the double layouts, they would do 
like a portion of one of the panels, like barely on the cusp of the other page. I'm yeah. like, okay. So, but again, like we read so many comics, it should not be difficult yeah. to read this. So it, I, it, it was like, I was questioning, I was like, am I doing this wrong? <laughs> you're like, I'm really tired. Which that took dead, me out of it a little bit. getting to me. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. It was like, obviously it was done intentionally because there were some crossovers and it's like, oh, well they didn't just, this isn't just badly cropped. It's, it's intentionally. Yeah laid out in a certain way and so yeah it, i i thought it was i thought it was really really interesting uh, and and obviously like the way that tynan writes it uh, i read in an article uh, about it that it you know he wrote it with a lot of double page spreads and he writes he writes that way as well like with a whole conversation piece or actions setting and stuff like that yeah it definitely allows the artists that he works with to really play because when you, when you're basically saying, Oh, this is a double spread that artists can just have fun, like so much more room to work with. You can give them these huge landscaping shots. You can include multiple monsters on a single page. Like it opens up the door so much to what you can do in a comic when you do a double spread, which mm -hmm. we, we see, I feel like we see more and more often nowadays than anything else, but it's, Oh, I love myself a good, a good <laughs> double spread. It's good times. Yeah. Erica Slaughter is the main character of the series. We quickly learn that Erica is part of the larger organization, which is explored in the spinoff series, House of Slaughter and Book of Butcher. Erica herself is methodically driven and a bit of a sore thumb in the order. She was taken in after her own parents and friend were murdered by another monster. A black mask named Jessica took her in and despite her not being chosen like the other children, she's put through a trial and passes. Yeah. And, and this is something that takes place in the, after the, uh, the main storyline, the first storyline that, that we uh, read, about Archer's Peak. I think it's just called the Archer's Peak uh, uh, arc. Yeah, which is the first 15 issues of the series. So the the next five after that, like 16 through 20, goes into her um, like backstory. And I think that's kind of interesting that they didn't do that right away. It was It's like a little bit of a mystery. And then you find out that it's it's not a character that we've seen before, but it's a, a kind of a new character that found her and it's alluded that, you know, her parents were killed and they kind of mention it like, oh, wait, we're not going to take any strays again, you know, and they're kind of talking about her. But then we find out, you know, like kind of what happened and the trial that she has to go through. And it's it, that's really interesting, too. So Slaughter is not her real last name. And I don't think we ever find out, at least as far as I got, we didn't find out what her real family name was. But her name is Erica. And uh, and then she takes the last name Slaughter because that's the house. From what I can tell, you know, above average agility and speed goes through kind of like a lot of conditioning and training, uh, melee weapons proficiency, especially with blades and through a sort of injection of a device, the ability to see monsters uh, as an adult, which we know only children can see the monsters. But with these devices, the, the hunters of the House of Slaughter can see them as well. Affiliations include the House of Slaughter, and she has specifically a black mask, but there are different colors of masks, which are super cool. The supporting characters include James, the small child that's kind of like her sidekick that is the survivor from the initial attack, but then ends up being very helpful in, in a lot of things. 
Tommy, who is the older brother of one of the missing kids, but actually gets injected with with the same thing. So he becomes this sort of, you know, unwitting <laughs> accomplice in, the, in some of the things that is happening. Yeah, he's he's for he's basically forced into becoming an ally because the, the whole concept of he thinks she's the one killing all the yeah. kids. This certain event happens. He gets injected. And now he's seeing what the kids are seeing. And he's like, holy crap, what is going on? Yeah. And, and it very well, it very easily could have been like, uh, from his point of view, I think another, a, a typical version of the story would have been like, let's talk about Tommy. But it, but he's, he's a side character, which is interesting. Very much so uh, so that, I think that was cool. Uh, later on, we have Aaron Slaughter, who is not, Erica's brother, but he's another black mask. So that's why he has the same last name. And he's Erica's handler, um, Sheriff Kavanaugh and other law enforcement. Uh, and then there's Octo, who is <laughs> Erica's, I'm going to say familiar yeah, um, totem. Um, yeah. So we'll say spoiler moment for what Octo really is right yeah. now. If you have not read it, just read the first few issues. You find out about it. So. Spoiler warning, three, two, one. Octo is a, it used to be Erica's favorite stuffed animal. And after the events that led to the death of her parents and friend, Jessica, she came in, saved the day, basically. And then as part of the ritual for her to be brought into that order, the spirit of that monster was drawn into her stuffed animal. Yeah. And now that stuffed animal can talk back to her and serves as this uh, like tool that she uses to yeah. perform certain rituals that are required in order to take out certain monsters. Like the worst conscience ever. Like he, he's yeah. this rude kind of very blunt, insulting. <laughs> he kind of reminded me of the droid from uh, Rogue One. Like yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. kind of like... Totally. <laughs> very blunt and like rude <laughs> yeah oh i just love the fact that like the, the kid's like is is he dangerous and the octo immediately replies yes <laughs> yeah, <for sure>. so <laughs> good yes don't mess with me so that's interesting you know with octo um antagonists you know besides just the monsters the, the children killing monsters um I, I put cecilia in there and she's a white mask and kind of the white masks in general kind of seem to be the antagonist they, they're kind of like pack animal hunters like they work together whereas the black masks are the the assassins of the of the of the house of slaughter and cecilia is very much um this white mask leader that uh is like against erica ever having been brought in and she doesn't trust her and she wants her taken out and you know all this stuff so so cecilia is definitely an antagonist and later on there's even other other order of saint george yeah. people that come in that are like oh this those are um i haven't gotten to that part in the story but i i've read that there are other antagonists that take a a, a heavy role well chris we've learned about the story in general but let's learn about our creators. So let's go into the archives. Something is Killing the Children was created by writer James T. Tynan IV and artist Werther Deladera. Tynan grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and would go on to attend Sir Lawrence College studying creative writing. At that time, Tynan met and began studying under the extremely talented Scott Snyder. 
just as James started out in his comic book writing career. And like, how great of a connection, like both of them are crushing it. They were both at the Eisners getting awards. So the fact that they had basically been working alongside one another since really the beginning of Tynan's comic book career is really cool. That's cool. After school, he became an intern for Vertigo, the DC imprint, working under executive editor Shelley Bond. After spending a very brief time in the advertising world, Tynan was asked by Snyder to co-write features for the New 52 relaunch of Batman, starting with the massively popular Night of Owl storyline. The popularity of that title resulted in the spin-off series Talon, co-plotted by Snyder and written by Tynan. Tynan released his first original comic series in 2013 called The Eighth Seal under Mark Wade's digital comic publisher Thrillbent. In 2014, he would serve as one of the head writers for Batman Eternal, which I didn't realize that was Tynan, and I read multiple issues from this run, and it was so cool. The art was amazing, and it's a lot of fun. Within the same year, he wrote Mimetic and The Woods through Boom Studios, both of which were very well received. The hits at Boom kept coming with The Backstagers in 2016. But Chris, Mm. Chris, yes, do you know what book he also wrote in 2016 that is epic beyond all belief? Uh, Well, I can see the note. but Batman um... (laughs) TMNT. That's right, Chris. Through IDW and DC, which is the first ever meeting between these two franchises. That's amazing. They just released a collected edition with all three volumes of Batman TMNT. I will be acquiring that very soon because I want all of it in one beautiful collected edition. I need it yeah. in my life. So people that think they're listening to this and they're like, oh, this is they're just talking about some indie comic. This guy has written some very popular IPs and in, in the main two and, yes. and some classic characters. So. Is he an indie writer? Nay, nay. He is a mainstream writer that has done some amazing uh, original content. Yes. He, Tynan is literally a titan in the industry, and we'll get to his accolades in just a second. Tynan went on to write detective comics for DC's Rebirth and Justice League Dark, which led to the crossover with Wonder Woman called The Witching Hour. Now, let's switch things over to Deladera. Which, once again, it seems that our artists, when they are from another country, we know very little about them. So this is what I was able to glean from the internet. Deladera is an Italian artist. That's it. Let me go. Yep, that's it. Uh, let's see. So The rest is in Italian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was able to find an interview with Deladera on businessinsider.com. And that interview is titled Inside a Day in the Life of an Award-Winning Comic Book Artist Whose hit, whose Indie Hit is Being Adapted into a Netflix Series. Wow, that is literally the entire title of the article. It's mm. a bit much. A bit much. But the, well, it is Business Insider. It's, they're not also creative titles. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I'll, I'll put the link for that interview in the show notes because yeah. it is interesting and I think people should read it. Uh, within that interview, however, we learned that the co-creator and artist of Something is Killing the Children is an Italian artist living in Rome, but he actually commutes to a studio outside the city, which he shares with fellow artists. Some insights into his creative process from the Business Insider article include Deladera not needing any warm-up sketches before he gets going on the project that he is going to be working on. He does 
rough layouts, but he doesn't have to do like warm up sketches to get into the flow of working on his main project. Yeah. Uh, that seems a little bit odd, Chris, do you, as an artist, <laughs> do you feel like you need to do warm up sketches before you start getting into a project? Uh, sometimes, I mean, I think it depends on what the content is. Uh, certainly the, the, if you're, if you're working on stuff that you're just continuing the story, if it's character heavy, you can probably just go right into it. But I know a lot of artists that are like, I'm going to do some warm up sketches and just, just to get their brain going. But uh, yeah, I think it, it depends on the content. Every artist is a little different. Very true. When reading the scripts for something is killing the children, Deladera likes to imagine what he can do on the pages. He states that Tynan provides him with a lot of creative freedom. Using Procreate, he's able to knock out about a page a day, and his favorite part of drawing something is killing the children are the action sequences, which you can absolutely tell by how alive those moments feel in the page. They're very kinetic, and they, they mm -hmm. look great. Like, yeah, and I, I loved finding out that he uses that because I use Procreate as well, and it's it's a great program, and, and it's more artists or kind of more comic artists, I should say, are using that for not just sketches, but like for professional work, which is it, it's showing that it's not just, I mean, not just, uh, Wacom tablets and, and, um, you know, uh, big, big expensive, like desktop tablets. Like you can do something more portable, which is pretty cool. That brings us to the focus of this very issue on September 4th, 2019, Tynan and Deladera launched something is killing the children to massive success and acclaim. Yay. Yeah. So we're going to get into the poll list. Uh, after that, thank you for the Wonderful dive into the archives of our creators. So the pull list is pretty straightforward for this is another series ensemble. Um, we are going to recommend reading all of something is killing the children. It's there's 32 issues out there. You can read it individually. You can try to hunt down. There's some amazing variant covers by all different kinds of artists. If you want to go that route, there's um, the five issue mini trades, uh, paperbacks, which, which I went with and I have the first three and, and they're gorgeous and they have a lot of nice things. Uh, Lance has the hardcover edition. Did you get the one with the, the teeth on the front? Like the, no, hard... the, the slip case was like an extra hundred or something like yeah, that. It, it's that looks expensive. <laughs> it looks great. Like I, I ran into it in, in, uh, my LCS but it was way more than I wanted to pay. I think you can actually get it for like seven. I think you can get on, yeah, on Amazon. I, I saw it for yeah, around like I 60 or 70. I just didn't want to pay that much more for a yeah. slip cover. Like I, I was exaggerating. It's not a hundred dollars more, but it was like, like you can get the, the hardcover for like 30, 35 mm -hmm. bucks. And then, pay, so the fact of like paying an extra 30 to 35 just for a slip cover, I'm good. Like yeah. I'm going to be reading this thing. It doesn't just sit on my shelf. Yeah. But it's uh it's pretty neat and obviously it's ongoing. So um, but if you want to go extra credit, there are the other books, the spin-off books that kind of talk more about the world and the lore, Book of Slaughter and House of Slaughter, and then the soon to be released Book of Butcher, which we mentioned is gonna be sort of like a rival, rival gang, rival order. So they're expanding this slaughter verse and and there's gonna be more. That you can get into but if you want to follow erica slaughter's adventures as the main protagonist just definitely check out the something is killing the children it's it's amazing and yeah that's that's our pull list yeah <laughs> and you have a grail find i think I do. or kind of 
oh, I have a grail. Uh, but yeah. I used to have a different grail uh-huh. for something is killing children. So so let's let's go back to the time of 2016 in this mm. grail tale. So I think that's younger, when we first met. Yeah. Well 2015, yeah, 2016. Yeah, a little bit before this. So this was so we had we had met, started hanging out, playing lots of games, and then I left for grad school. So I was in Arizona. And at that time I had no money because all of it was going to grad school. So I started working within the uh, comic book store out in Arizona. And it was actually a comic book like boutique that was within a separate comic book store. Mm. And I noticed that they needed some help pricing things out. So I offered some assistance. And in return, I basically got whatever pull like anything I wanted on a pull list, I got just from going in and pricing out and helping out as, as they needed things. And so the, the owner of this business started noticing the type of books that I would get pulled and started pulling extra things for me, thinking that, oh, I think you'll like this as well, which is very, which was incredibly kind of them. And some of those books ended up being the first six issues of Something is Killing the Children A Covers. And I thought they looked awesome. So jump forward in time. I didn't read the books because I also, as much as I love comics, I didn't have as much time in grad school to read them. I was extremely busy. Yeah, professional. But, I, but you know, you want to keep the collecting going. And so jump forward a little bit more. And I'm back in California after finishing grad school. And I started doing the reselling with regular guests on the show, Jeremy. So we were buying and reselling collections. Because this was pandemic time period and we had lots of time on our hands. So I was reading lots of comics and now reselling them as well. And we ended up starting, we ended up starting to send books out to CGC to get graded. And I was like, oh, I'll send out my something is killing the children number one because it's got announced that it's going to be made into a a series on Netflix. And it's just going to kind of go up from there. So I sent the issue, didn't get it pressed or anything, came back a nine eight. So I had a something is killing the children number one CGC 9.8 and jump forward a little bit longer, a little bit more time. That book starts jumping in value and it gets to the point where that issue is at like 500, 600 bucks online. And I thought I haven't even read this book, but I'm broke right now because I'm not working because no one's hiring at the moment. Cause I just finished grad school. So I said, yeah, maybe I should sell this book. So I sell it, I think I sold it for around like 500 or something like that. Uh, Like within two months, the book was like selling for $1,200. So that is the the sad tale of that. But again, I didn't, I didn't even pay for this book. The only thing I paid for was the grading fee. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you've mentioned before you've sold it, you sold those books to get by because it was the pandemic. I mean, like I did need to sell that book. Comics can start saving you know, saving your life and your, your work situation like that, that that's a, yeah. that's a noble cause. Right. Comics literally paid my bills for yeah. months at that, awesome. at that time period. But it's not all sadness because yeah. I had picked up the Something is Killing the Children deluxe edition and I love that book. And just this past San Diego Comic-Con, so San Diego Comic-Con 23, I got to go and Tynan was going to be there. So I'm like, sweet, I'll bring this hardcover. I'll throw it in my backpack. I'll worsen the scoliosis of my back with all these hardcovers to bring to these creators. <laughs> Darn you, Rick Remender, in your gigantic deluxe edition comics. They're so heavy. 
but so I got in line to meet Tynan and I, I feel like we, I told multiple stories about Tynan. So if you go back to our San Diego Comic-Con episode, I talk about, so if you want to hear about like fingernail stickers and running into them outside on the, of the con floor and getting a picture, all that stuff, go listen to that episode. Yeah. But so, uh, I was able to get in line. Uh, James is incredibly kind and I will forever be a supporter of his just because one, he's fantastically talented and two, super, super nice to everybody that was in that line. And so I get to the front and we, we were chatting for a minute. He signs the book and then he also does a sketch of Octo inside yeah. <laughs> of the hardcover. So that is my new grail for something is killing the children. The signed and uh, the signed and sketched something is killing the children deluxe edition book one. I am very excited to get deluxe edition book two. But yeah, that's that's my grail find. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You ready for some random facts? I love random facts. Something is killing the children since it was released in 2019. The first issue sold over 175,000 issues over the course of multiple printings, while the comic itself in the first 18 months sold over 1.2 million copies. And for an indie comic that's not Marvel and DC, that's pretty incredible. Like this was amazing. Shattering records and people were like, wait, what? (laughs) Um, House of Slaughter, the spinoff series, which came out two years later, was one of the highest selling comics in 2021. Something is Killing the Children, Volume 1, the trade paperback, was the number two best selling trade in 2021. And when they started selling the black bandanas with the cool teeth design that Erica Slaughter wears and the other black masks, they sold out like crazy and have since said that they uh, have we're making the other colors as well, the other bandanas. So, so cool. it's it's created a very simple little um, viral sort of cosplay that's easy yes. to do. You just put on this black bandana and you're like, yes. <laughs> there were so, so many something is killing the uh-huh. children cosplayers at this last Comic-Con. Brilliant. I mean, it's, it's, it's like... What is this? Is this like a Guy Fox mask, like V for Vendetta kind of thing? Like it's <laughs> it's but it's so simple that it's yeah. like cool. It, like you it's know. instantly iconic too. You know exactly what it is as yeah. soon as you see a bandana with teeth now. Tynan revealed in a 2022 convention panel that he first saw Deladera's art in a comic artist search. And it was an image of a country gas station that really sold him on Werther's art. And he knew that quote, capturing the feel of the Northwoods, Wisconsin, and potentially beyond the Northwoods was so important. So I thought that was kind of a cool thing that it it wasn't just like the action shots and the monsters while important, but it was the, it was the, the environment uh, of, of everything, like the woods and the creepiness of the environment really takes on its own character in the story as well. How specific of, of art to be like, oh, yeah, like I'm also thinking about writing a story about the Wisconsin area. Yeah. Like, and this person does it perfectly. So I think it's a perfect match for us to work together. That is, yeah. it's so interesting how a lot of these creators, the writers, artists meet, which is why I, I really do enjoy doing the uh, Into the Archives section because mm-hmm. there are so many random stories like that about the, the connections that these creators make. Yeah, this is a multiple award winning book, and it's really impressive to hear kind of the the list here. So um, this is just this is even some of them, not all of them. So Something is Killing the Children was nominated at the Eisners in 2020. Tynan won for Best Writer in 2021, 
2022 and 2023. Three P. As well as something the killing the child something is killing the children winning for best continuing series in 2022. Oh, and to top it all off, he also won for best new series, The Nice House on the Lake. Not only has the series won Tynan Eisner Awards for writing, and it was nominated for Best New Series in 2020, but it also won in that same year a Harvey Award for Book of the Year and a Ringo Award for Best New Series. The first volume of the graphic novel, which collects the first five issues, has gone back to press four times, which is really that's a lot impressive of trades for, and for an indie book as well. Like, I mean, that's that's really cool. So lots of opportunities for different covers and other artists that want to draw the really cool design of, of Erica Slaughter. I, I understand why it, the series does so well, because there's a great flow to it. Mm-hmm. Like I've talked about it on the show before. Like I'm a very slow reader. I felt like I could fly through this book, but at the same time of going quickly through it, there's all these different levels of emotion and it, it really makes you think about things within your own life and the impact that trauma has on an individual. But it's it's so good. Like the writing is so smart, even though we talked about there being all these various side characters and they might not be on the pages a ton. They, they still feel like fully realized individuals within this world, which is just something that those top tier comic book writers are able to do when everyone feels fully realized, no matter how much page time I'll say they mm-hmm. get in a book. Yeah. I mean, adding that mask to Erica's design, I mean, Tynan even said like when, once he saw that from the initial concept sketches, he was like, that's it. This is a, this is a mainstream character. Like he kind of knew. And that's, that was so smart because not, not just the bandana selling merchandise, but it makes the character and the whole lore very like recognizable. And it's like, Oh, you, you kind of know it's really interesting that, you know, that you have this character that is instantly recognizable because if she didn't have that bandana, it, it it's be a little trickier. It'd be kind of like, like when we talked about the old guard, see that previous issue, you know, it's, it's kind of got a similar vibe. It's like an indie comic and they're killing they're, they're immortal and it's got some supernatural elements, but it, but they just kind of look like people right. and nothing against the old guard. It's, it's good in its own right. But, but th- this, just the little addition of that one little design choice just, you know, makes it stand out. Like the bandana itself, it, it allows you to build out the world more. So just giving a different colored mask to a different house, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it makes everyone so easily, identifiable Mm -hmm. like you know where people stand just based off of a color of a mask yeah and you can interpret how those interactions are going to go and that the the thoughts you have about how those interactions are going to go can also play against you because when things like subvert your expectations it's like it's exciting yeah it's it's green lantern mythos in a horror you know, grounded environment. It's, it's like kind of taking that, like I'm team red or I'm team whatever, or even like, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's just, it's, but it's, it's brilliant just to be like, Hey, we can make this kind of fun color coding thing in a horror comic. Like, okay. And it doesn't sound, it's not stupid. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Some messed up power Rangers going on here. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So we mentioned that, you know, there has been a it's in development uh, as far as adaptations with Netflix. And there's some other stuff from Boom that that has been in development uh, also with Netflix. Um, Nothing currently has been announced other than producers and that uh, Tynan and uh, Deladera are executive producing. So and and it's being based on a script from Tynan. So. That's all we know. Um, we don't have any casting. We don't have any like expected dates or anything. But th- there's definitely you can see like I think when this comes out and and if it's marketed well, then it, it could be on the level of something like The Boys, where it's like this is a kind of a cult, you know, because Netflix thrives on you know serial killer documentaries and this kind of like it's got that kind of vibe of like creepy adult kind of whatever. And this this could be that kind of adult comics supernaturally kind of hit that yeah. um, that, uh, that that I think they're they're jonesing for that Amazon Prime has like a lot of them and, and even stuff from HBO Max, but or sorry, Max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it should be interesting. I mean, I would love to see somebody like like Anna Taylor Joy or 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 some like mm-hmm. a an actress with dramatic chops that can go into the action role and not just like a, you know, actiony, yeah. you know, star or whatever. You but. know who I think would do a really good job? Who? I think Alexandra Daddario would absolutely crush uh, playing Erica Slaughter. One, her eyes are huge and they are <laughs> a piercing color. So yeah, I think that sure. would go well. She was, she's been in a ton of stuff. She's been in true detective uh, she was she she really does have like comedic chops with certain movies that she's been in. She was like in the Baywatch reboot movie, which she was actually pretty fun. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. She was recently in uh, the season of White Lotus. So but she she can do everything yeah. like she she has comedic chops, which Erica definitely has dark humor. She can do the action side of things because she's done multiple things that show off that she is extremely athletic and she really does have the look. So like dye her hair blonde and put yeah. on a bandana and you're good there to go. You know. Well, that's our, that's our fan casting. We'll see, we'll see if they uh, listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> What's next, Lance? Uh, one of my favorite segments and weirdest segments that we have. What? what? Each issue we do what nerds do best. We share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. And this week, we thought, what if Erica Slaughter had to team up with another character or characters? Now, this can be really any any character. It doesn't have to be within a certain genre. But we want to see like how Erica interacting with another well-known entity or entities might affect the, the, the journey, the, the monster fights. How would it really affect her? And how would she play off of others? So, Chris... I'm interested to hear what yours are. And I already knew when I thought of this question that you were going to immediately be like, well, obviously like Buffy or Hellboy. Yeah. So (laughs) that should almost be like the, uh, the wheel of fortune given letters, you know, like you're going to get S T N R Hellboy Buffy. Um, uh, if, if, if I'm being very topical, it could be like Asterion from Baldur's Gate three. I would love to see that kind of, sly you know witty elf vampire um but i think the 
interesting answer would be Geralt of Rivia from The Witcher, from mm. uh, classic books and also the show. Um, as a professional monster hunter that is also kind of in an ancient order, I think it would be kind of like he's very much about tactics and uh, it has to be done a certain way. But, you know, I, it'd be kind of interesting to have him take on this kind of mentory kind of like, you don't have to do it this way, you know, like, uh, yeah, he, he's it's such a he's such a fascinating character. So because um, he's just gruff and blunt. Um, so I think somebody like Erica Slaughter, who's kind of all over the place and, and very um, chaotic, uh, could benefit from somebody as orderly as as Geralt. Um, the fun answer would be uh, the Scooby-Doo gang. I also <laughs> like, thought you were going to say that. <laughs> because because I would love to have them go up against a monster that's like, oh, no, the, these children are dead. You know, like, really? You know, like, uh, and then and then Eric Slaughter comes in animated and just like, blah, blah, blah. Um, that would be a fun and, crossover. And, and, <laughs> there you go. Animated Erica Slaughter. That'd be good. Yeah. So, so the question is, does Erica go in the time period of Geralt or does, does Geralt come to present time? Uh, You know, it could be, it could be Geralt is still alive because he's very old. Um, Or it's one of those like kind of dream trippy kind of things like that they have access to. Obviously they have access to some supernatural things where maybe she mind trips to having this interaction where they're, they're crossing over timelines and they're in this kind of middle world and and he's like i'm 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 here to i'm one of the first of the order right um that uh his his pack was were kind of the originators of of the house of butcher or something like that i don't know Uh, whatever (laughs) there's a lot lot of whatever a lot of ways it could go maybe he's just old right um i don't want her to time travel like i just Let's not do that. Let's let's have it be more just linear, like they meet and then they don't. But I think it would be fun to see them kind of fight, train, hunt. They go on a hunt. He he teaches her some stuff that's very specific about how to hunt certain types of monsters. Mm, yeah. And and then she applies that, you know. I dig it. How about you? Uh, it's funny you mentioned the Scooby gang because <laughs> the individuals I chose have also had a crossover with the Scooby gang and that's Sam and Dean Winchester from Supernatural. I think my wife is screaming somewhere um, because you just said the two magic words. (laughs) Oh, okay. Gotcha. (laughs) She has the shirt of of them with the the Scooby gang. Scooby gang gang gets the people going. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that the dynamic between Sam, Dean and Erica would be amazing Mm -hmm. because you would have Erica and Dean really trying to like one up each other with how they're able to kill things and that they'll just be butting heads the whole time. Sam would probably start puppy dog eyesing Erica and start to have, cause he always, Sam fell in love with like almost every single person on that show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I think that there would be a, a really fun dynamic between there. There'd be a lot of humor and I, I just really like the, the idea of Dean just being really upset that Erica is as good at what she does or using knives. Oh, I, I, I got this big knife. I got this machete. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Trying to one up. Uh huh. I, I think there would be a lot of fun to go between those, and, and it just works perfectly. Like they're, they're the same kind of type of deal. Not like 
superpowered. Well, mm-hmm. in the later seasons of Supernatural, they reveal that basically they were superpowered, and it's Supernatural man but, at the but end. But pretty, but dear goodness, but yeah. based on based in the they're not originally superpowered, right? It's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I think that would that's be a, a good, very that's fun a good choice. Yeah. That'd be fun. It's good stuff because and it would bring in some levity because this comic, while it has some jokes, it's not a funny no. comic. It is not Buffy where there's lots of humor and quips. This is not a quippy hero. She's she's very disturbed and very kind of like trying to deal with her her stuff, um her ish and uh yeah and and so I think like bringing in any car- character like that that's like eh uh, like making little jokes and stuff. Um she's just going to be like what's mo- what's wrong with you like <laughs> Yeah, but, I, I think that if Dean were to annoy her enough, she's just going to, like, let Octo out of the cage and just freak him out. Yeah. I think that would be amazing. You can't really choose Buffy because there's not just the the, the blonde hair and, you know, butt kinking female protagonist, but but there's there's similar. But I it would be interesting to kind of be like maybe a different slayer like faith or yeah or the current you know like a a new a different kind of slayer and they or they try to recruit her like giles comes in is like oh you're you're very promising we wanted to look into this and uh and she's like no i got this other thing so i mean there could be like an interesting crossover between those lots of good options to choose from chris she uh, erica slaughter would fit into a lot of good fandoms for sure i agree it's time to close the book on something is killing the children So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books closer.